Welcome to Gardening Talk back on to and you are FM. Greg Richard, joined by Scott Sharp with us today. How are we going, Scott? Very, very well. It's it's good to be back out of the blocks and oh. off and running. Back in action for 2024. Oh, action Jackson. <laughs> what do you got lined up for us today? Well, I thought we'd talk about the ivory curl tree. The bees are loving them at the moment. They're out in flower, a really great sized tree for the garden. Uh, your lawn grub, uh, really big problem at the moment as the heat rolls in today. And uh, just general watering, what you can do with your indoor plants and your outdoor plants on a day like today. Right, when good times are water and bad times, I guess, are water as well. We'll go through all of that. We've got some pretty warm weather at the moment, Scott, and you mentioned before about good times to water. Absolutely. I mean, you got me uh, sort of waving the uh, the palm leaves and fanning you straight away <laughs> today, so it is hot in here. Exactly. I just need someone feeding me grapes at the moment. Well, we can, we'll can. we arrange that later on, okay? It <laughs> might not be me, but uh, yeah, I'll just keep up with the palm leaves. Hot out there. I'm really, really surprising. You know, you go in and out of there, Connor, and all of a sudden you go, oh, wow, the plants must yep. be really suffering. Yes, watering. You probably should have watered early this morning uh, for your outdoor plants. Yep. Uh, really good deep soaking. But if you're seeing a stressed plant out there in the garden uh, or in a pot, don't be afraid to go and give, give it a water now. Uh, look, again, a nice deep watering around the root system of the plant rather than the spray over the plant. That's just a bit of a temporary measure uh, on some plants that actually can burn the plant um, oh, by spraying water on the air. The, uh, the droplet forms like a little magnifying glass uh, and the sun goes through it and intensifies and actually will burn the plant. Uh, in those situations. So you've got to be careful really? about that. Yeah, I know. It's, I, I didn't believe it as well, but uh, I've seen it happen mm. on agaves and big sort of uh, wide leaf plants where the water droplets will form and sit for a little bit of time. Uh, so, yeah, look, important to go out and water. Uh, and again, later on this evening, uh, about four or five o'clock, yep. uh, around dusk, uh, to get out there and give another deep watering of the plant uh, because, believe it or not, even though the uh, the sun goes down, it's still hot out there, you know, right up till 9, 10, 11 o'clock at yep. night uh, if we don't get any rain. Uh, and the plants are still going to be quite stressed overnight. So important to get out there, even if the sun's going down, and give them a good, uh, really deep watered drink uh, and just to get them through those, those stressful periods. If you're seeing leaves curling up on plants, definitely get out and give the deep water at this point in time. Now, what about indoor plants? You mentioned them before? Yes, look, a, a good thing to do today is to get out uh, and uh, give them a mist. Mm -hmm. uh, get one of those little spray bottles yep. and give them a, a mist over the plant. Uh, also make sure that they're being, you know, they're nice and moist uh, around the soil as well. But the, the misting on the indoor plants, uh, because they're uh, generally, you know, a, a plant that likes high humidity, they'll enjoy having that little mist of uh, water over the leaves. All right, so just a quick mist for them and they're done. Yes. Uh, look, the other thing, if you're going away or doing anything, water crystals are fantastic. Uh, you can get those, they're just like tiny, tiny little crystals, but when they swell up, they swell up like 40 times uh, their size once they actually get the water yep. in them. So be careful not to overuse. Uh, you can just get a pencil or a stick and poke a hole down and inject some crystals down into the soil, but it's best to do it uh, when you're actually uh, repotting plants. Uh, right, okay. Mix up the prescribed amount of crystals into that literage of you know potting mix. Mm -hmm and uh, go from there. Really important not to overuse them. Water crystals, what, a, what an age we live in now. Oh no, it's just it's, amazing, isn't it? It's like the Jetsons have brought them down to us. <laughs> and we've got Les from Cessnock, and he's got a question about Shukpoo. Hey Les, how can we help? Scott, good afternoon, mate. How are you? Yeah, pretty well. Good. Scott, last Friday you spoke about Shukpoo. Uh, yes, yep, yep, yep. Right. Now look, I just had my uh, top dressed. Yes. And there's parts of it that haven't covered as quick as I wanted to. So I went out and bought some um, uh, uh, soil, some uh, organic soil. Yes. 
when you talked about took Perth the other day, um, I thought now it's a bloody good uh, fertiliser as well. So that's worth trying as well, is it? Look, it certainly is, and, and the context I was talking about it last Friday was about top dressing, uh, and yeah. it's often when you go out and buy from your garden centre or your landscape supply centre uh, yeah. some top dress. They'll, it's usually a mix of sandy loam and chook poo, uh, and it's it's fantastic because it, it does it uh, sort of levels off your lawn with the sandy loam, and the chook poo gets in there and provides plenty of nitrogen, which the lawn loves, yeah. and uh, gives it a real boost and a great old feed. So. In fact, yes, what you're talking about is just going and getting some bags of chook poo and spreading them over the lawn, and that's perfectly fine uh, to go and do. Uh, yep. Look, obviously, a little bit better if you're mixing it in with some soil. You just don't get quite the burning, uh, you know, from it. Yeah, yep. but it will just promote, uh, you know, very, very quick growth if you're uh, yep. sprinkling chook poo. It, it really is one of the great... Uh, you know, organic lawn fertilisers. You don't need yeah. to go and get the pelletised ones, uh, you know, yeah. or the, the white sort of chemically ones. Uh, you can just get a bag of chook poo and go and, and spread that all over the lawn and it will do wonders for it. Well, actually, I bought the organic organic soil from A&L at Western mm-hmm. and uh, it showed me two different types. So I got the better quality one, which was fine. But, okay, so look, um, can you point me in a direction where I can buy some chook poo? Uh, look, you really just need to... Uh, any of your local garden centres um, will uh, sell bags of chook manure. Um, right. Even hardware stores as well. They should have uh, both uh, cow manure and uh, chook poo there with, along with potty mix. So, yeah, look, just wherever it's local to you. Uh, make sure you get it screened. You don't necessarily want to go and buy it by the, from the side of the road because there can still be, uh, you know, seed or... Uh, you know, weeds in there that are just yep. then just going to go absolutely nuts uh, throughout your lawn. So make sure you get the screened and heat-treated uh, chook poo, cow manure, any sort of manure that you're using, always make sure it's been heat-treated uh, yep. and it kills all those weed seeds uh, in there so you don't get that spread through your lawn. Yeah, look, I mean, I'm happy with the lawn, but it was just, it had to put the top dress a bit thicker in parts to level the whole yard. Yes. And that's where it's not coming through as quick as I wanted to. But, uh, look, I do appreciate your suggestion, and uh, thank you very much. And listen, by the way, enjoy your retirement. Uh, I'm afraid I'm not quite retired, Liz. That might be Jude we're thinking of, but, uh, no, I'm still here battling away. Oh, OK, fair enough. Good on you, mate. Thanks very much. All the best. Bye. Bye. Cheers. Thanks, Liz. We've got Leone from a heat and greeter, and her roses got some yellow leaves on them. Doesn't sound too good, Leone. Uh, Tell us about them. Yeah, well, I've got... One rose that's got yellow leaves with... It's got green veins in the leaves, but mm-hmm. it's all yellow leaves. It's, it has still given me one or two flowers. And there's another rose that's got some yellow leaves, but not all of them. Now, what are you feeding your roses, if anything at all, Leonie? Oh Well, earlier on in the season, I just gave them ordinary rose food and a bit of chook manure. Yeah, okay, that's fantastic. Um, you're probably best to, you know, to actually just do a little bit more of that. Uh, so what I usually suggest is when you've done your prune uh, in around August, you give almost a bucket full of poultry manure uh, to your roses and then oh, yeah. you get some of that, uh, you know, just rose food, uh, you know, the, one of the sort of the white chemically ones. Yeah. And you just sprinkle that around as well. 
Uh, now, the other thing you might want to do if you've got you know, a rose that's looking so sick is actually go and get some uh, trace elements uh, from your local garden centre and mix oh, yeah. that up in the watering can and water that around as well because it'll be absorbed in very quickly. And uh, depending on the, you know, if you might have, there's going to be some sort of deficiency there for you to have those yellowing leaves and the, yes, and the green yeah, veins. Yeah, I think there was. Yeah, so, so is it just is, 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 it, is it a product just called trace elements? It, or? it is. It just comes in a little box uh, and you just mix it up in the watering can. When you you know get the little spoon out of there, it really just looks like a, a sort of chemically powder I guess is the best way yeah. to describe it mix it up in the watering can and then just water it into the soil around the rose that'll definitely help out uh, but it probably again some uh, chook manure as well uh, yeah. just to give it that double feed uh, and they should come back quite nicely look the other problem at the moment uh, of course is the humidity uh, probably not so bad at uh, Head and Greeter but uh, you know obviously far more humid than west of the ranges uh, in the Hunter yeah. Valley uh, so it's always an issue. You really just need to be using some sort of fungicide as a, a general preventative at this point in time, some copper oxychloride or uh, Mancozeb Plus, uh, because the humidity really knocks your roses around at this time of year and will make is, the leaves drop is off. Is that something that you spray or is that something you water? No, look, that's something that you actually spray over the leaves of the plant. Uh, probably not such a big issue for you at the moment when there's no leaves on there. Uh, but certainly when you get that new growth coming back, you want to be protecting against any fungal diseases getting on the plant. OK, well, I've got um, one other rose that was really flourishing last year, but this year, it's, you know, there's only one sort of small stem on it, so maybe it could benefit from this copy copper oxychloride. Yeah, look, it sounds like both your roses or all your roses probably just need a, a general bit of a feed at the moment and uh, some of those trace elements and, of course, some good deep watering in the heat that we've got at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, just, thank you very much. Not a problem. Any good luck with it. And uh, call back and uh, tell us how you've gone on in a couple of weeks. Okay, then. Thanks. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. John from Lower Belford. And he's got a question about his gum trees. John. How you going, boys? Yeah, pretty well. John, how can we help you, mate? Mate, it's not it's not a gum tree. I missed. I, I did say that, but I didn't mean... It's their, their claret ash tree. Yes, and okay. The, they're getting shoots out the bottom. You cut them off, and they seem to come back double. Is there anything you can do when you cut them off to seal them to stop it happening? You certainly can. There is a product out there called Steri Prune. It's a, like a tar-based paint. Uh, you, can, you can get it as a little paint, uh, or you can get it as the pressure pack, I guess, you know, with the spray on it. Uh, wrecks up your paintbrush though so just be aware of that but every time you um, break them off uh, just spray some of that around there look the other thing to do is not to try and cut them off neatly with the secateurs actually yeah. almost rough them up a little bit with a bit of sandpaper as well and yeah. then and then put that uh, steri prune product over it and seal right, it off mate. that way thanks very much mate, can you spell that for me uh yes yeah, steri prune s-t-e-r-i-p-r-u-n-e U-N-E. Yep. Right, mate. Thanks for your trouble. Okay, good on you. Good luck with it. Thanks, bye. Thank you. So get you in a quiz show if you keep that sort of effort up. Oh, I know. It's when you have to spell words backwards. <laughs> or, you know, I can't even... Oh, the, the months of the year backwards, I think I'd fail that one badly as well. Someone did the alphabet backwards to me last night. No, that's that's too much. Yeah. And when oh. you're weirdo. Yeah, oh, I've got a mate <laughs> who can name all the, rate, all the winners of the Melbourne Cup since 19-something. That's even stranger. All right, let's go on to Emmanuel now from Bado Bay, and he's got a question about his mandarin and orange tree. Hey, Emmanuel, how, how are you going? How are you going, Steve? This, I got to uh, a mandarin and the, uh, the orange. They've got a pack, like uh, uh, black, 
black bug and it stink. Oh, yes, you, you have. You've got the stink bug on there. That's, that's probably the best way to describe it. Um, the, or the bronze orange beetle, some people call it as well. Um, look, there's a couple of ways to get rid of it. Uh, you can either, uh, I guess, get them, you know, blast them off with the hose if you want to and try and get rid of them that way. Uh, you can use the old vacuum cleaner trick. You definitely use an old vacuum cleaner because they smell very bad. Uh, or you can go to your local garden centre and get a, a chemical to spray on them uh, and try and get rid of them that way. All right. Yeah, but look, they do a lot of damage, especially to the, the new growth of your citrus trees. Uh, they love that really soft new growth. They'll suck the sap out of there. You'll also have to be careful, Manuel, because they spray the smelly stuff out from their bums. Uh, and if it gets in your eye, uh, it will do quite a lot of damage to your eye. So if you are out there working around the tree, just put on a pair of sunglasses. Uh, or if you do wear glasses, just make sure you've got those on there, just as some sort of protection about, uh, you know, from having that spray in your eye. Okay. And uh, the leaves, I don't know if they do the damage. It's curly and it's getting yellow. Yes. Look... I think that's probably a result of the uh, the stink bugs on there. As I said, they're sucking the sap out of the leaves, so they're really debilitating the plant and just making it sick. So you need to get rid of them and keep them under control. Okay, I'll go to Bunnings and buy some, some chemicals to spray. Okay, okay, good on you, Emmanuel. Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Bye. Bye. And we've got Leslie now from Salamander Bay, and she's got white moths all over hibiscus. Oh. Leslie, what's happening out in... Uh, Salamander Bay with your hibiscus. Oh, mate, every time I water it, it got, it's the most beautiful white double hibiscus that I've had for years. In years gone by, it just flowered and looked spectacular. But every time I, I get watered near it, there's masses of these tiny white moths and, and it's not flowering. So I'm wondering if they have anything to do with that. Now, when you say a moth, are they actually like a little sort of moth or are they more like a little white fly? Yeah, look, they're very small. Ah, okay. Very uh, look, small. Yeah, so white, white fly is a particular problem, especially with uh, tomato plants uh, mostly. Uh, you can uh, try and keep it under control. They're very difficult to get, to, to get under control though. At oh. first, I would use some pyrethrum. Yeah. Uh, and, and spray that generally, you know, before you go over there and disturb them and see if you can control them that way. Look, okay. if that's not working, you might have to sort of up the ante a little bit then on the strength of the chemical. Uh, okay. Yeah, perhaps a malathon, but uh, definitely try your pyrethrum, pardon me, uh, in the first instance. All righty. Okay, that's good. Thanks. Thanks for that. That's good. And the other thing that I'm having trouble with is that I bought some beautiful, beautiful white... Um, Federation daisies a little while back. Yes. And I planted them in a garden that's always done nice things for me. It's got worms, it's got everything, it's got good soil. And the daisy bush itself is growing beautifully, but it stopped flowering too. Nothing. No right. flower. Okay. I, I, when you're at the, the garden centre uh, getting some of the uh, pyrethrum, mm. I'd also get some sulphate of potash. Uh, it's a really great product uh, just to promote the flowering of any plant. Uh, so okay. you can use it on tomatoes as well if you want to, for instance, because you need the, the fruit, the flowers to produce the fruit. 
but just generally on flowering plants, it works really, really well. Now, the trouble with it is, though, is you can't just sort of use it once or twice and then, uh, you know, sit back on the deck chair and <laughs> hope that everything's going to be well. They're one of the, it's one of those, uh, you know, elements that you just have to keep on uh, using regularly every month or so because it mm -hmm. sort of washes through the soil is the best way to think about it. It doesn't build up in the soil. Uh, so you do have to use it regularly every month or so, but it will definitely increase the flowering, for instance, on your hibiscus as well, and certainly on your Federation daisies. Oh, that's really, really good news. Thanks, Scott. Okay, not a problem. And thank you for the call, Leslie. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. And we've got Bruce from Wall's End, and he's got a question about his tomatoes. They seem to be dying off at the moment. Afternoon, Bruce. There you go. Yeah, Bruce, how can we help you? They've got sick of buying tomatoes at Stop Centre. So I went out and I spent a lot of money. Yes. I've got 12 different varieties. And they've been great. But now they're starting to die off a bit. And Bruce, how long have you had them in? Oh, uh, sure. Since probably October, November. Okay, so look, they, they they might in fact be getting just towards the end of their sort of natural lifespan anyway, and it's time to start again, put some fresh plants in there to get you through to May. Yep. Um, look, some other issues you can get with uh, tomatoes, especially once it starts to get hot, it becomes more, I guess, prevalent and you start to see um, these issues taking place. And one of those can be nematodes. So and when you do start to pull the tomatoes out, just make sure that down on the root system, there's not like little um, sort of nodules or balls down all over the root system because they're a product, they're uh, nematodes and they're very, very difficult to get rid of in the soil. And you in fact have to leave the soil um, you know, bare um, for a season and put some mustard seed and some other things through there to try and get rid of it. Look, the other issue you can get is called fusarium wilt. Uh, and it's a fungal disease that uh, gets into the uh, into the tomato. And the only way to get rid of that is to, in fact, uh, discard the plant in a plastic bag and put it in the garbage and get rid of it. But yeah, I, well, I, well I, I was going to dig the soil out probably three inches mm -hmm. deep and get rid of that and then put some new soil back in there. Yeah, look, uh, that that's probably not a bad idea, but firstly, I'd, I'd pull the plants out. Yeah. Uh, or one of the plants, at least in the first instance, and just have, check out the root system to make sure there's no nematodes, none of those nodules yeah. uh, all over the root system, um, because that's that's a big issue to try and get rid of. Um, but look, it. otherwise, refreshing the soil is not a bad idea if you're going to replant. That's it. Have you ever had blueberry tomatoes? And you've been getting a, a good crop out of them? Oh, yeah. Have you ever had them? I haven't had that particular variety. No, they're like a little cherry tomato, are they? Yeah, you want to get one and you want to try it. Okay. Well, I've, had, I've got, and now at the moment, that's the one that's mostly going. I've got probably 40 tomato, little tomatoes on there, nearly ready to pick. And look, those smaller tomatoes, like, you know, the blueberry or the cherry tomato, they are fantastic because you don't need to stake them. You can just let them ramble across the ground in the garden, uh, you know, down from a pot uh, onto the ground, uh, and you just get out there and pick whatever you need for your salad that night. So, well, um, yeah, well, this is just full. I can't believe how many. Yeah, I mean, they really are a great little tomato, great performer, uh, and they're not as susceptible to, uh, you know, disease as well as the yeah. old-fashioned cross and they taste and, nice, really nice taste to them. Yeah, look, there's nothing better than a tomato you've grown yourself, and uh, it's out in the sun ripening. Uh, as you said, when you're... Uh, 
you know, you're buying them from the, the supermarkets. Often I think they've been in cold storage. They might not have been uh, ripening as they should. Um, so, uh, yeah, any homegrown tomato is going to taste much better. Well, my Roma tomatoes are the best I've ever tasted. Fantastic. That's it. We're sort of uh, drooling here a little bit. We, we, we wouldn't mind some ourselves. But one little question. If yes. I dig that soil out, say, three inches or whatever, I want to do it anyway and put new soil in there, I can put new tomatoes, leave it rest until tomato season, and I can put new tomatoes in there, can't I? Look, you should be able to, but, mate, it all depends on what you find when you pull those plants out. Yeah. Um, so... Look, if you do pull them out and you find something on there, um, give us a call back and we'll talk about it in a little bit more depth for yeah, you. Yeah, because I operated on a heap of tomatoes and got the seeds out of each one and put them on paper towel and, and grid on it and just sat them in Chinese containers with little holes in it so they dry out. Oh, excellent. So I did a bit of an operation on them the other, the other afternoon. Bruce, you sound like a tomato surgeon, a specialist. <laughs> oh, I'm just sick of buying them at the shopping centre and paying the fortune. <laughs> well, mate, you're doing all the right things. Uh, give us a call back if when you pull those tomatoes out, you find some stuff on the root system. Yep, not a problem. Thank good, you. Good on you, mate. You have a nice afternoon. Bye. Bye-bye. Jesus, thank you, Bruce. Scott Sharp, we're nearly out of time for another week, but we mentioned watering at the top of the hour. You also said curl grub is around at the moment as well. Uh, no, I was talking about the ivory curl tree. Oh, the ivory curl tree, tree. Curl that's right. tree. I got the curl incorrect. Oh, look at you. You're showing a, you know, some knowledge after all of these years. That's oh, fantastic. Um, every now and then I write something down, I'll go, I'll remember that for another time. Okay, yeah. Look, I was talking about the ivory curl tree out in flower at the moment. It's actually a, a rainforest tree from Queensland, which has nicely naturalised itself down here. will, in fact, tolerate a little bit of frost. So if you're up in the valley, you can probably grow it there as well. Uh, a good-sized tree because they don't get too big about six to eight meters tall but the main you know talking point about them is the masses of flowers that they get at this time of year it really looks like the trees just turned white uh, the bees love them the birds love them a fantastic uh, tree to have in the garden just going to cut off right there we've got one more call left susan from elibana and she's got a question about a budworm susan how can we help you um i'm wondering if you have a secret fix You've got some budworm. What in your roses have you? No, it's in the geranium. Ah, yes, of course. Okay. So, look, the, the way to get rid of budworm is, of course, to prune it out as soon as you see any holes coming out uh, of, of, the, uh, of the flowers. But then generally you're going to have to, uh, you know, use some sort of chemical, unfortunately. Uh, there's dipel, which is a, an actual sort of caterpillar worm uh, chemical that you can use or malathon as well you can try pyrethrum if you want uh, it's a nice safe gentle chemical and just generally spray that uh, to stop the actual uh, I guess pupa being laid into the into the bud of the plant so that's that's really about the only options you have uh, unfortunately some sort of chemical uh, to try and keep it under control well I've tried absolutely everything and uh I think it just nourishes it. <laughs> Look, the other great thing about geraniums, though, is they are such a tough plant. They'll just keep on coming back and coming back. Um, but really, that's the only thing. Some dipel, give that a try. It's a natural um, bio-insecticide that uh, kills caterpillars and worms. So maybe give that one a try and see if it has any effect for you. Um, I think they, uh, they pupate in the soil, don't they? Does the malathion... Uh, go into the soil? Well, look, malathion will go down into the soil of the plant, but the, the reason that it's the pupa's up in, in the bud, I guess, that's why you're seeing that, um, you know, that damage happening there. So you want to stop it coming out of the ground and heading up to the, towards the bud to do that damage. Um, malathion, you can drench the soil if you want to with a watering can, 
Um, so, look, that, that's another option for you. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay, thank you very much. Bye. Jeez, thank you, Susan. It's Guarding Talk back on 2 are at FM. Scott Sharp. Clock is ticking away. Is there anything quickly want to mention before you mosey on out? Yes, well, look, you, you did uh, sort of uh, pique my interest then when mentioning the old grubs, so yep. lawn grubs as well. Lawn grubs, that's what I was thinking yes, of. Yes, yeah, very, uh, very hot at the moment. Uh, any uh, lawn that's had its uh, root system chomped up by the lawn grub, uh, the crickets or the black beetles is going to be really, really stressed. Important to get out and treat, but do it at dusk when those beetles uh, or grubs start coming back up towards the surface. Righty out then. Okay. At dusk. Everything's at water at dusk. Everything's at dusk. At, at this time of year, it certainly is. <laughs> Scott Sharp, thank you very much. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>